Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. There's so many opinions. Every morning, people tune into you guys and get a good one. Mackey and Judd. Not a good one, just a great one and an honest one. And not just yelling back and forth. On 1500 ESPN. Mackey and Judd, Courtney Cronin, Vikings insider from ESPN.com, will join us around 1130. And the superstar Mike Morris will come in here for the noon hour. Uh, Okay, just real quick deviation from the Vikings, and we have open phone lines for the next half hour if anyone wants to chime in. 651-646-8255. The Gopher basketball team, it's incredible how just like self-inflicted wounds or bad luck every single time a Gopher football or basketball team pops up. It's just, it's the wild E. Coyote of all athletic departments. And so now... Not only is Reggie Lynch suspended, and there's going to be an appeals process that takes, I don't know, the next several weeks, but Amir Coffey has a shoulder injury, and and he's not going to be back anytime soon, Richard Pitino said. They're going to rehab it. Surgery might still be on the table. Yeah. So he's out. So you're now you're playing like Gaston Jeju, significant minutes, and it's bad. Mm-hmm. Um, on the Lynch thing specifically, our buddy Chad Graff from the Pioneer Press interviewed two women who and and they they're quoted in the story and they're quoted also on social media who claim a couple different things number one one of the women actually sat down and Mark Coyle acknowledged this in the press conference last week sat down with U of M athletic uh, administrators and said here are the red flags involving Reggie Lynch there's more to this than just the one incident from last year and then I'm going to add I'm just going to read this this is from a woman named Whit Bordscheid quoted in the Pioneer Press and on Twitter There were absolutely red flags beforehand, she said. And honestly, if it weren't so disgusting that it's being spun differently, I'd laugh at how poorly they, meaning Mark Coyle and Richard Pitino, executed their lying today. There are very few, if any of us, from Bloomington and Edina who weren't already aware of Reggie Lynch's atrocious history of alleged abuse prior to the news that came out. I look back on high school and remember how often girls would suggest steering clear of Reggie at parties. 15 to 18-year-old girls found normalcy in warning each other about his tendencies. This is no exaggeration. It was extremely well-known to the point where when he was arrested the first time, there was a celebration from girls in my hometown who were excited that finally someone had paid attention to this. I think a lot of girls who had previously felt scared or intimidated felt validated by that. He was kind of like the worst kept secret. Two things real quick and get your reaction. Number one, there's a lot of smoke here. There's probably at least some fire, if not a lot of fire, where there's a lot of smoke in cases like this. The Miguel Sano stuff that we talked about last week, 
pretty similar in my mind in terms of if there's a lot of stories here, they're not all making it up. There's got to be some truth here. Mm-hmm. But I also think it's important. You can't you can't prosecute someone either in the court of law or if the bar is a little bit lower for code of conduct. Mm-hmm. You have to have proof and information to punish somebody. That's how our country should work. That's how these systems should work. So I'm caught in between believing that there's something here, but also it can't just be, well, like we heard that there was, you know, that there's been bad behavior. Right. You're told about it. Yes. So there's a and there's a huge gray area here where coming when he came to the University of Minnesota, he did not have a criminal record. Did not have a criminal record. Right. The only time he's been arrested is last summer. Uh, for the the other incident that t- took place in the 30-day window here. Mm-hmm. Now, does that mean that that bad behavior and potentially criminal behavior didn't take place? I mean, it's two people in a room. That's mm-hmm. that's the tough part. Do you believe that that he should have been uh, suspended from games immediately upon uh, Coyle and Patino being told in the fall? I, I would guess that that he was being investigated. So Dan Dockich ranted about that yes, on he, ESPN. Yes, he, he did. Said he would have he would have suspended. He would have kicked Reggie Lynch off the team at, immediately at that time. Yes, um, it's it's hard to say if if you knew full details about Reggie Lynch and his promiscuous at best criminal at worst behavior. If you knew information that this was this was something that goes back in his past. This is something that, and we're talking two years ago. These incidents. And this is something that continues to be a problem. I think kicking him off the team would have been perfectly acceptable. Mm-hmm. They chose Richard Patino and Mark Coyle. Mm-hmm. They chose education of the program over booting guys off the team. In in the case of Reggie Lynch, so he so th- these incidents take place. We don't know what they knew, what they didn't. I mean, I'm sure there's information that t- that they'll get that gets passed around right. behind the scenes. But and, right now, we don't know. You're right, but. Instead of kicking guys off the team when they had the epidemic from two years ago, they said, all right, let's take a step back here. Let's start to educate these players. What we don't know is, did Reggie Lynch stop with this type of behavior almost two years ago? Yep. Or has he continued to act this way over the course of the last two calendar years when they've implemented these educational programs? And I need that information. I just do. I need that information. Here's my issue here. Um, and, and it seems to, to me every time that this type of thing happens, we, we've got the the faction that's in the Corzo camp, and that is the you cannot possibly su- suspend an athlete until the appeal process or in some cases the law has played out. And therefore, Lynch or Peterson a couple of years ago should be able to keep playing. And in fact, in their mind, it's the law that it's only right and justice that they keep playing until the case is uh, is completely done. The other faction is, once you find out about Lynch, he should be kicked off immediately, and I don't care if he's convicted or not, but he is a guy who has d- done this in the minds of a lot of people more than once, and therefore the tolerance should be absolutely zero. I don't understand why we don't talk about the reality of these things, and that is this, and this applies to Peterson, Sano, Lynch. Division One and pro sports are essentially the same exact thing. These teams are going to do what's best for them in their minds to win games until until the public finds out about a player and and if there is an allegation or an investigation. Then the team will pivot and say, even more important than trying to win games is are we alienating our fan base and our sponsors? 
we, we have these conversations, and I get why, but we ha- have these conversations as if there's this moral dilemma at work here, and we expect teams to to think of things from a moral ground of, this guy is a bad guy. No, that's not how teams and programs think. Businesses don't think that way. But the debate isn't what, isn't how they think. We know that that's how they think. The yes. debate is, is that the way that they should think? Well, that, ab- That's no. what's being challenged here. Absolutely not, but it's never going to change. That's my problem. Well, it can if enough people... It's not... It absolutely can change right, right, if enough but people get outraged about but it. It's, but it's, al- it's but always... what's happening in Hollywood right now. It's, it's always going to be based on how much do people know... And at some point in time, if people turn on us, we can't afford it. I want to put myself. That's what it comes down I'm, to. So to, to piggyback off what you're saying, I'm going to put myself in the shoes of like a Richard Patino or a Mark Coyle here. So you're you have masses of people that are holding you accountable for building a sports program, right? Which, in the grand scheme of things, like we probably put way too much emphasis on the importance of sports. I, I get that, but you know we're grateful that people do because we wouldn't be doing this and getting paid to do it every day. Yes. So I'm, I'm aware of that. Yes. Um, but it's complicated because if you have a 19, 20, 21-year-old kid with no prior criminal history entering the University of Minnesota, mm-hmm. either in high school or at Illinois State, that's where Reggie Lynch transferred from, and you're trying to build a winning basketball program, Maybe you find out about some behavioral red flags. I don't know what they found out in their background checks. They didn't find a felony. They didn't find an arrest, to my knowledge. Um, and so, and also knowing that we're talking about 18, 19, 20-year-old kids. Again, I'm just putting myself in the shoes of a basketball coach. You're thinking, all right, if there's some things to be ironed out here behavioral-wise, we'll mold him. He's a young adult. We'll mold him. He hasn't been in jail five times. Um, we can We can figure this out. We can mold him, all right? He gets to campus. I believe these transgressions took place, correct me if I'm wrong, before he, he even played a game for the Gophers. Yeah, because he's he's sat out that year. Correct. Yes. Um, so, so, so you're, okay, well, there are a couple things popped up here, and you know, so he got suspended. It's, it's difficult because you could go down the path of, well, yeah, he wasn't convicted of a crime, but it's re- it doesn't mean a crime wasn't committed. To what degree should you be looking at bad behavior and then kicking players off the team for bad behavior rather than trying to correct and mold those players yeah. who exhibit bad behavior, right. which the Gophers have tried to do? Right. Here are some bad things that are happening in the program. Daquan McNeil, um, whoever, the the you know the, the video with like Dorsey and those players and McBrayer, okay? Mm-hmm. We could either start booting guys off the team. In some cases, they did. And or we could educate and just try and clean this whole thing up. They chose right. education. I don't think there's a right or a wrong or a black or a white answer in this particular case. I do think that Reggie Lynch has had, I, I do believe at least some of the smoke here. I yeah. do. I do believe it. Well, just like I believe the Miguel Sano smoke. Sure. Absolutely. Sure. But if Patino now, so so Lynch is gone now, right? And there's going to be a lot of folks who say, that's good. That's right. Guess what? You're going to lose a lot of basketball games now. So are people now going to come back and say, well, but they did the right thing ultimately with Lynch. So if if you now go from being a team that's expected to contend for the Big Ten to finishing, let's say, eighth. There will be no empathy for that. But that's my point. My point is these decisions are made by business people who who are trying to make the most money possible and win as many games as possible. And those are the two things that they're weighing. They're not weighing people. They're not weighing rights. They're weighing, all right, playing Lynch is a bit of a risk right now, but guess what? We are picked to win the Big Ten. That's a big deal. And then they say, 
It's gotten out now about Lynch. We're we're going to take hits uh, for this. He's going to have to be suspended. This is this is weighing two things. And to think for one second that coaches have the ability to sit there and say, "Well, the thing I'm most you know the thing I'm most concerned about is the kids or the victim." That's not what they're concerned yeah. about. They, they they might be concerned. Those might be concerns. 12 and 13, Phil, but they are never concerns. One and two are going to be, can I win as many games as possible to keep my job? And two is, is the business of the program that I am in charge of right now doing as well as possible. Uh, six, I have another thought off that six, five, one, six, four, six, eight, two, five, five, but I'll save it here because we have uh, at least a phone call lined up and I'm sure more people want to chime in. Paul, you're on with Mackie and Judd. Well, I've got a dynamic that uh, I want to throw in here, but I don't even know how to, process it and it's pj fleck look what he just did with was a demery cross the quarterback and coils the ad there uh what behavior whatever it was that he did fleck didn't hesitate at all to suspend him albeit temporarily yet we still have the same ad dealing with a whole uh, in a different way with the basketball team and i again i don't know I don't even know if there's a question there or a... Yeah, no, Paul, I, I get what you're saying. De- so a couple different responses to that. Number one, let's just be honest. Demry Croft is a lot less important to go for football than go. Reggie Lynch is to go for basketball. And that, for the since yeah. the beginning of time, has mattered. Yes. Like, that has mattered since the beginning of time in all sports. Now, should okay. it matter as much? That's a moral question that we all have to wrestle with as sports fans. So okay, so then this goes to PJ Fleck a little bit. Mm-hmm. If they swap, if they you know, because PJ Fleck really puts off this moral, spiritual, all these things he talks about. If if he would have been in Patino's shoes, do you think Fleck would have said to Coyle, "No, we got to get rid of this guy right now," or does even somebody like Fleck bow under what Judge's talking about and what you just said? No, he's an important player. Let's see if we can make this work. Hey, Paul. The yep. the answer to your question is what are the expectations for that year and that team? That's the answer. So Fleck on the football team, let's say they're doing a little better than they have. Uh, you think he would have done the same thing Patino did? Yeah, I think if the goal for football team uh, came into a year uh, regarded as as one of the best teams and a contender in their side of the Big Ten Conference, and and if Demery Croft was a really good player. I think the situation plays out completely differently. Yes, I do. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Paul. Uh, if anybody else has questions or wants to chime in on the Reggie Lynch fallout, 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. Timeline matters here. I want to piggyback off something you said a couple minutes ago. And then from a basketball standpoint, I mean, do they have any hope at all of making the NCAA tournament at this point? Mackie and Judd and back to Vikings with Courtney Cronin at the bottom of the hour. Mackie and Judd are back. Back, back. On 1500 ESPN. All right, Mackie and Judd, we'll run some phone calls on this. Uh, just real quick response to what you were saying. Timeline does matter here in the Reggie Lynch case. A lot of people are ignoring the timeline. Dan Dockich ignored the timeline on ESPN. The two publicized events in question happened within about 30 or 60 days of each other in the spring of 2016. Mark Hoyle took over in June of 2016, officially. Mm-hmm. And part of the, the the unveiling of his initial plan with Richard Pitino and other coaches as well, but specifically for the basketball program was, all right, let's clean up some of this behavior. The Daquan McNeil assault, uh, the players recording themselves in a bedroom, and there's there might have been another incident in there too. 
they implemented several hours of educational coursework for players. They chose education and said, let's try to, instead of kicking everyone off the team and you know blowing everything up, let's, and firing the coach who's presided over this, let's just, let's start to mold and teach and educate. And that's the decision that they made. Hmm? I need to know, did Reggie Lynch continue with his behavior after they decided that education was going to be their recourse? Because if Reggie Lynch, not to, not that he should be off the hook for things that happened in the past, I'm not saying that, but the Gophers can prove that their process of trying to mold good behavior worked if there have been no other incidents. And that's what I, I just, I, I feel like we need more information yeah. to determine how responsible are Richard Bettino and Mark Coyle when yeah. it comes to the behavior of Reggie Lynch in this instance. And I, I think you've got a lot of people upset right now by the fact that when Incident 2, which was, which was in truth, Incident 1 came out, yeah. that these guys didn't just say, you're suspended until the entire process plays out. But they out. say they didn't know about Incident 1, which is Incident 2. Yeah, until the uh, fall, un- though. Until, like, October of right, this year, which I, is a year but, and a half. But that that's what I'm saying is, I think there's a lot of pe- people who said when, when that came to light, he should have been suspended immediately. Uh, let's take a few phone calls on this, uh, and then Courtney Cronin at the bottom of the hour, Vikings Insider, ESPN.com. Bill, you're on with Mackie and Judd. Yeah, hi. Say, no, I get why you guys are talking about Lynch, and I don't know about his innocence or guilt. I have a tendency to jump on the guilt side when any of this kind of stuff comes up. But, you know, we've created this monster. This goes back all the way from the time when they're in in grade school and 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 good athletes are rewarded based on what they can do athletically, not what they can do socially or morally or anything like that. I have a perfect example of it in a niece that I had that played basketball uh, in Minnesota for a high school in Minnesota, and she was fantastic but and actually shared the Miss Basketball of Minnesota award with um, – the gal from New York Mills, whose name escapes me right Janet now. Janet Carvinen. Yes. And um, so she gets a full ride, a full scholarship to play basketball uh, in a Minnesota school. And uh, her four-year eligibility is up, and all of a sudden she's flunking out of school, and Mom doesn't understand why. Well, why was because she never had to do anything while she was in high school. She missed a test. Well, I got to study to make up the test. Don't worry about it. We'll take care of that. Yeah, I think I think entitlement. If you're looking for, you know, why do certain people behave poorly? Why do athletes feel entitled to any woman that they want? Miguel Sano, or or if if some of these Reggie Lynch allegations are true, mm-hmm. I think I think the caller uh, hit on some points that you're you're really not you're not checked often enough, probably. As a star athlete, Robert, you're on the show. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. Um, this is a little bit of uh, foreclosure here. I am a season ticket holder. Okay. Both ball and basketball. I'm also a criminal defense attorney. I think I shared some emails with Judd about this, but I think it's important to look at the timeline here. Uh, the first incident that came to light, I think, allegedly occurred in May of 2016, and from the reports in the newspaper. This woman went back to his dorm room, uh, agreed to have relations with him, and then when she said, where are my friends, where's my phone, he looked for her phone and escorted her out the door. 
Then this incident apparently occurred a month before that, in April of 2016, and she doesn't come forward until the fall of 2017, a year and a half later. She hasn't reported any crime to the police to this day. She hasn't sued Reggie civilly for assault. So if she hasn't gone to the police and it doesn't sound like she's going to go to the police, then no crime here was likely committed. So we're talking about behavior that would be, my, based on my assumptions here, if they're accurate, that he has not committed a criminal sexual conduct crime. So what are we talking about here? What else could it be? Yeah, the only thing, I, Robert, your insight is, uh, I, I love it when lawyers call in because it adds a whole other layer to the discussion that we just can't provide. There's, I'll add another layer to that. So obviously the, the, the bar is much lower when you're talking about a code of conduct for a university. And here's what's interesting. So in October of 2017, the University of Minnesota, to its student code of conduct, to the sexual, uh, to the sexual misconduct portion, actually added the word sober, that you, must, that, you, that you must receive verbal confirmation from a sober, reasonable person before you enter sexual acts. Well, that term was added in October. This, the two events in question, if, if we're talking about women who were uh, possibly intoxicated, uh, Haven't spread. is it possible that Reggie, that, that I mean, this is where it get, that we're like, the, yeah, they happened a year and a half ago, and the word sober was put into the code of conduct in October. Now, morally, without reading a code of conduct, should you maybe be a human being right. and uh, but, not take advantage of an intoxicated woman? Yes, but, obviously. But the key here is the university is doing what it deems it has to do to protect one thing, itself. It's not. Th this is not about the woman. This is not about Lynch. This is about the school itself and, and the fact that as soon as this got out, they were going to act because they knew that that was going to, to if, they, if they had introduced him to 12,000 fans on Saturday for a home game, guess what? They're not going to like what, what happens then. So this, to me, was completely done by the school to attempt to protect itself again, which is, which is what they ordinarily do. And, Robert, uh, just one more question. I have a question for you. And I'd like to follow up if I can. Yeah, and, uh, real quick. My question, I, I think what's, what makes this really difficult, I want to have empathy as much as possible for the women involved and potential victims here. Um, what makes it difficult, especially when trying to put together a case for potential conviction, if you're you know, looking to charge someone with a crime, when it's two people in a room, it's and it's he said, she said, and the he said almost every time is saying, uh-uh, this didn't happen. It makes it almost impossible in most of these cases for the alleged victims. True. And I don't think that we're talking about a rape situation here or if she was bold enough to go to the U uh, administration with her claims, uh, you would think she'd be bold enough to go to the police. So we're not talking about a rape situation here. And who's to say what sober is? You know, and how can you, you can't always tell if someone is sober or not. And then there's also the aspect of personal responsibility on the part of the females involved here. They're at his dorm room, and if he, like, cocked her over the head like Bam Bam of Flintstones or a caveman and dragged her in there, well, then that's assault. That's a kidnapping, which is a very serious crime. So now we're talking about a woman who may have been drinking. Likely, I know the other one, I think, was. And when you start to drink, 
you start to um, uh, confuse uh, your perception of events is can be confused, and your memory can be clouded. So if a female wakes up after sleeping with a guy and walks home, you know, there's that, what's that old saying, the walk of shame, they feel bad that they gave themselves up or whatever. Oh, you know, you know, they feel bad. You know, you've heard of that saying. It's like, you know, but if they were drinking but not drunk or somewhere in between, you know, maybe their perception of what happened was wrong, that they were giving all the signals of, hey, I'm interested in you, and then they regret it, and they don't want to take personal responsibility for their half of that relationship. Yeah, Robert, thank you. We've got to get to a couple more here. Um, I mean, and, and again, I think with Reggie, it sounds like there's a lot of people coming out saying this has been, he's had some issues going back maybe even to high school. I don't think that a bunch of women are just making this up. Let's go. We got to get to Courtney Cronin here shortly. But Bill, yeah, I just had a couple comments to make. First of all, I'm just you touched on it, but uh, why did Dockich all of a sudden go off on the Gophers all the way back to Clem and even farther back? And then, second of all, do you think it hurts the Gophers at all that we're in a pro sports uh, market where there's so much more media? than maybe in other of these smaller markets where they don't have the resources maybe to go after uh, the Gophers that uh, some of the other uh, smaller teams or smaller towns don't have. I'll hang up and listen. Thanks. I mean, question two, it might a little bit. Uh, but I, I, I think we're now in a place where if there's a if there is a scandal at your school, somebody is going to come in and do a pretty good job of uh, reporting on that. Uh, Dockich, I'm not sure. I, I think he just, I think he went back through the litany of uh, problems that this program has had for a long time, and and said that, that if he had been the coach and he found out about the uh, about what happened with Lynch, he he would have kicked him off the team. But it's also really easy to say. Yeah, that I don't think it was spot. any great. But I mean that that whole Dockich thing took how long? Three minutes. It was so, pretty powerful. I mean, he's a pretty opinionated yeah. guy. But yeah, uh, one more call on this for now, and then we're going to get to uh, some Vikings discussion. John, you got about thirty to sixty seconds, John. Okay, well, I'll make it real quick then. Um, you talked to somebody said they were 19, 20, and 20 year old kids, and I would argue that that is not true. Uh, if you have two, let's say, seniors in high school, one joins the Marines, one goes to play basketball. After they meet at, meet at for one year, is the Marine a man and the basketball player still a kid? They're the same age. They're both they're both men. I would. Hold up! I want to ask him a question. I don't know what the point was I'm there. A little bit. I don't know. I mean, a Marine, I can tell you a Marine is going to be far more mature after one year as a 19-year-old than a basketball yeah. player. So Almost, I mean, saying, in general. He's, is, is he trying to say that you wouldn't necessarily be a kid then? I'm not quite sure. Listen, you're an adult. I'm just, my, my point was, there's a reason why you don't just go kicking 18, 19, 20-year-olds off teams for non-criminal activities. You mold, you teach that's part of your job as a coach. Mm-hmm. Think about how many players talk about their sports coaches in high school and college as like second fathers. So I, I'm putting myself in the shoes of why didn't they kick Reggie Lynch off the team earlier? Well, I mean, has, has he been arrested five times? They're they're saying no. He got arrested once, right? And then that was cleared. So I'm putting myself in their shoes and trying to answer why didn't they act sooner? As Dan Dockich. I think Paul's, posted on Saturday that he would have. I think Paul's point is a very good point. Paul's point is essentially if if you know th- this all comes down to are, are you a good player, and if so, it, it's going to buy you more time, 
And and to my point, what are the expectations for your team? P.J. Fleck could go through that roster this year and not give a damn. He could make examples of everybody. In four years, guess what? That's going to be different. Mm-hmm. There's, there's going to be certain guys that, that are going to do things that P.J. Fleck probably thinks are really stupid and dumb and detrimental, and they're not going to get suspended because his expectation and the expectations for his team will have yeah. changed. The Vikings' voyage of vindication continues with Courtney Cronin when we come back. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. They got to be some tight asses, don't you think? Oh, they take <laughs> it very seriously. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Delivering down the middle, and it's going to be taken in for the on the field. Ted Ginn in his hands, and Ted Ginn will go all the way. The former Carolina Panther takes it in in stride and has the touchdown as the Saints get it on track with a big play, beating James Bradbury for an 80-yard touchdown reception by Ted. That's what the Vikings are going to have to deal with this coming Sunday. Heavyweight fight against the New Orleans Saints. Courtney Cronin, Vikings insider for ESPN.com. You can check out her work. Uh, you'll probably see her all over Sports Center and stuff this week too. And when you took this job a few months ago, I'm not sure if you knew you were signing up for either an historic moment at the end of the rainbow for a franchise that's never won a Super Bowl, or maybe the biggest heartache of a lot of heartaches. It could be one or the other. I don't think it's going to be anything in between. Uh, what are your thoughts as we look forward here, Courtney? Yeah, I mean it's um, it's crazy how it all panned out. I guess expect the unexpected, and that's you know the the notion that most most people should go have going into the divisional round. And, you know, I always, looking ahead at the three teams they could have faced, I thought, you know, circling the Saints as the one that they did not want to face, given how dangerous Drew Brees is in the playoffs and how different this team looks in the first, you know, this is a completely different team than week one, but the Vikings are also a different team than week one. So, um for me, I mean, I think that it's just kind of, you know, hold on, buckle up, because this is going to be a completely different look of a game than we saw, uh, you know, at the beginning of September. Uh, and, you know, who knows where it goes from there. But, you know, they definitely did draw the toughest matchup um, of any that they could have coming out of the wild card round. Where, in, in your mind, uh, should the Vikings be most confident right now? And, and as we... Uh discuss this where should the most concern lie do you think uh as they prepare for the saints i mean their defense is, is lights out you know you don't you don't finish the regular season that way uh you know that that goal line stand i think is just such a microcosm of everything of how good that unit is that you know even even if it gets into a shootout that the defense is always going to be there to you know come through big at the end of the day and i mean the bears weren't bad i think that that's you know, we've all forgotten to talk about this Bears game because it feels like it happened an eternity ago, but they're not a bad team. I mean, they have a good defense. Um, I think, you know, offensively, yeah, like the Bears, they, they, there was nothing going there, but it just, you just are so confident in the defense that you have right now and how, you know, what it took them till the third quarter to, to cross, uh, to cross, you know, 50 yard mark. So be confident in that. You have a Super Bowl caliber defense right there. And I don't really know if there is you know, many weak links on this team. Yes, people are freaking out a little bit, at least in my Twitter mentions, about the offense and kind of how it's stalled a little bit and they've missed some shots that they usually make. But, you know, in their last three games, none of those wins have ever been in question. And this is a team that doesn't need to score big to win because its defense is right there. And I think that's something that they have that no other team left in the playoffs does. 
I think you just nailed it. I mean, it's I, well, the, the last three games, um, I, I, everything you said is correct. That you're obviously you're not going to face Trubisky and Hundley in the playoffs, so you're probably a little bit more nervous about teams correct. scoring more than 17 points over three games. But I would say, get used to Vikings fans just scoring 20 points to win a game. Like it's, I think mm-hmm. so many times, whether it's the Brett Favre team or the 98 team, the people are going to reference all throughout these playoffs. You had to score 30 points to feel good. I mean, Courtney, you can score 17 points. You can score 13 points and maybe win a football game with this team. I mean, outside of the Saints game yesterday, I mean, some of the other games in, in the last round weren't exactly like the highest scoring. I mean, I think that that's just, you know, it's a testament to, to this defense that they, you know, we haven't seen many fourth quarter holding off teams. We haven't seen you know, the defense truly, truly, truly has to fight with its back against the wall um, to come up because the offense did something it shouldn't have done or, you know, underperformed. I mean, that's always been in their arsenal. And now, you know, should it come down to it, they'll have the ability to use it. But, yeah, I mean, Case Keenum has, has magnified his playmakers this season. That doesn't mean that they necessarily need to score 31 points um, but the Saints did to be able to to win a playoff game. I mean, they're at home. They have an incredible home crowd advantage. They're seven and one at U.S. Bank Stadium. They have a lot of things ancillary stuff like outside of the offense that you know could certainly help them. Um, you know, should they need it if the offense can't get going. And Breeze, though, it's going to be fun because he seems so calm. His ability too that that we saw uh, in the first. Uh, playoff game his ability to define receivers and hit guys mm-hmm. accuracy wise is off the charts i mean trey waynes has been very good in my mind and and i, I think he has held up in most games but i'm really going to be curious to see him in this game because i think Bruce, uh, breeze is not going to uh hesitate to go go at waynes my guess courtney is he stays away from roads a bit but i think as far as the secondary goes they're about to see a guy who has accuracy like very, very few have. Yeah, and I mean, you saw some, I was watching the game yesterday, it was like kind of in awe, some of those throws yep. over the middle that, you know, I mean, his receivers, he's got a really good rapport with them, and I think, um, you know, the Michael Thomas you saw week one where it wasn't that, that was the start of Rhodes close, right? Like, that was, um, you know, I think it's, it's going to be a different game. Um, I'm curious to see how uh, the Vikings decide they want to use Rhodes and Waynes. Um, you know, if Rhodes is going to, you know, shadow Thomas the whole week, the whole game. Um, but it's going to be interesting. I mean, that's, you know, Trey is, as Mike Zimmer said, I mean, he's, you know, completely, he's hitting his stride. And I think, you know, personally speaking, I think the Bears game was the best that we saw Trey play um, this season. It was just a culmination of an effect really from the Detroit game on. Um, you know, he's you know really hit. He was really starting to make his mark after a rough few first four weeks or whatever it was this season. And then there's kind of that period there, you know, right around the bye and right around right before Thanksgiving that you know, okay, something's clicking. And then now you're seeing it kind of takes shape fully. And you know, it is it, a nice thing to watch, but it's certainly going to be tested this week. Yeah, uh, I, I I told Judd and Dave earlier in the show, and this is. Not to say that the Saints are the only formidable team left. I think there's a lot of teams that you could make a really strong case for probably every team left in the NFC and and at least two in the AFC to win the Super Bowl. But I think as it pertains to the Vikings matching up with the rest of the teams, the Saints might be number one on on the difficulty list. And that's all due respect to Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, but like that. Their defense is better than New England's. Drew Brees is 
probably the only quarterback in the last 10 years that can go toe-to-toe in terms of credentials with Tom Brady. So this might be your toughest game left, even though it's going to be a slate of tough games. What do you think? No, I agree. I think that that's why when you're looking at who they could have matched up with, this is the last one you wanted because Drew Brees, I mean, his playoff record, what? He's like one, he's like six and five or whatever yeah. in the playoffs, something like that. I mean, take that take that into consideration. You know, five playoff losses. This guy, he's, he's on another level this year. And, you know, he's, he's, the stat that's being thrown around is the completion percentage, you know, the one that he uh, topped Sam Bradford for last year. But, you know, some of the throws he's making, like at his age too, you know, in kind of the second wind of his career, you know, I mean, as he's getting older, I mean, he's really not cooling off. And I think the whole dynamic of the Saints offense, you know, with Kamara and, you know, just how how dynamic their passing game is because they have, I mean, just like the Vikings, they have, you know, a threat of running backs that can, you know, catch the ball. And I think, you know, we take a look back at last time. The Vikings didn't have too much trouble stopping that and the defense sniffing that out. But, um, you know, it's definitely a threat that they have that I don't think you, you know, a few other teams do. So I'll be curious to see how they how they utilize him, um, you know, going for Kamara going forward, because I think he can be such a versatile threat for you, and they're going to put a lot on his shoulders riding into this game. And, you know, they want they want to be able to use him beyond this weekend, but obviously the Vikings defense had some success against him before, and they're going to go back to what they did and, and, and go forward with that. That was the hot take police in the background there, by the way. Pulling Cronin over? <laughs> exactly. Your your early subject to change pick. I, I said Vikings by two or three points. Yeah, I think, I mean, I really don't want to discredit how – how well the Saints have played, um, and just you know the turnaround in that defense. I mean, it's like something about their defensive efficiency. I think they're 19th or 16th, but like where they were, um, you know, a year ago, that can't be understated enough. But you know, I think you know the Vikings definitely have the advantage at US Bank Stadium, and just how they've been able to limit quarterbacks there. Um, I would say probably maybe comes down to a field goal. Am I allowed to say that? But maybe going the other way this time uh, and, wow. and, and not heartbreak city for the Vikings with that. So, yeah, I mean, I think it will be close, John. I agree with you on that. Yeah. Um, but it's not going to – I don't think it's going to be a 29-19 game again. I don't think that – I think both of these defenses are going to, you know, put the clamp down, and it's not going to be as high scoring as that first game was in week one. I don't think it's going to be 29-19 either, mostly because that's just a really weird football score. 29 yeah. to 19 is a really you unusual just said it football. It might come score. down to a field goal, Courtney. New long snapper, Kai Forbeth. Oh, I feel if, if it does, these poor people here are going to be absolutely um, yeah, what will your in com- bad shape, what, what, maybe. What will your confidence level be as a Vikings fan out there if it lines up for like a crucial field goal? Anywhere on the field, whether it's 27 oh. yards or 50, probably not too high, but we'll have to just yeah, deal with it, that. It's scary territory to be in, but I think <laughs> that, you know, let's just, you want to exercise all your playoff demons. I mean, obviously with Atlanta still out there, you know, and the Saints, from, you know, I'm going to go back tonight and rewatch the 2009 NFC Championship just because I like to do things like that to myself, wow. to torture myself. Um, but, you know, exercise them all. Let's let, you know, if, they, if this is a miraculous year that may not be, you know, able to be replicated, why not get them all out there? Do I have some alcohol nearby? I was going to say, a glass of one. wine or My something. <laughs> Advised for that game. Actually, drinking game. Every time Adrian Peterson puts the ball on the ground, you take a shot and then uh, start tweeting after the game is over and see what happens. Okay. <laughs> we can do that. All right. Bye, Courtney. See ya. 
Bye. Thanks, guys. Courtney Cronin from ESPN.com. Come down to the field goal. This poor fan base. I don't know if they can take that. Well, you're going to have to kick a field goal at some point Uh, in the playoffs. I know, but if it comes down to it, I'm going to feel really bad for people. We will get the superstar Mike Morris in here at the top of the hour. Mackie and Judd. Phil Mackie, Judd Zolgad. They got to be some tight asses, don't you think? Oh, they take (laughs) it very seriously. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Kick off your running season with 1500 ESPN at Twin Cities in Motion's Hot Dash 5K and 10 Mile Saturday, March 24th, bring your Lumberjack best to this Minnesota-themed event that features a top 10 U.S. post-race beer garden, live DJ, photo booth, activities for all ages, plus hot dish and beer from Summit Brewing Company. Registration is now open. All runners will receive a Storm Creek long sleeve quarter zip technical pullover details at 1500ESPN.com keyword events. Okay, the... The uh, Vikings have dodged at least one bullet, Pat Shermer bullet. The Bears have hired not Pat Shermer, not Pat Shermer. Uh, He interviewed with the Bears last week. Instead, they went with offensive coordinator for the Chiefs, Matt Nagy. I'm going to show you guys a picture of Matt Nagy. All right. Mm -hmm. This is the Andy Reid coaching tree. Mm -hmm. And you just take a look at this picture. Oh, my God. It's Brad Chili says that's young chili. It looks it like is. young chili. It looks like a chili clone. Oh my goodness. That might be a rule of the Andy Reid coaching tree. Everyone must resemble Brad Childress. He does. He looks He's like He's got the beard and well, Childress had a beard there for yeah, a couple no, years. Yeah, he looks like a chili clone. That's great. That's amazing. Good luck to him. So, uh, yeah, another 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 apple off of the Andy Reid coaching tree. Dave found a story on ESPN.com. Bill Barnwell is a football analytics writer for ESPN.com, and he has ranked, apparently, every team remaining, all eight, according to how difficult their path is to win the Lombardi Trophy. Correct, as okay. he entitles it, ranking the clearest paths to Super Bowl 52. Are you ready? Yes. yes. Number eight, meaning they have the most obstacles in your way, Tennessee Titans. No mm-hmm. surprise. Number and, seven. And they're terrible. Jacksonville Jaguars. Is this, is this accounting for how terrible the team is, too? Absolutely. Okay. Yes, yes. Terrible, I assume, accounting for the, the team on the field and what they would okay. have to go up against. Uh, Jacksonville, number seven, I said. Number six, we go to our first NFC team, the Philadelphia Eagles. Sure. Obviously, it's the Nick Foles factor. Sure. Number five, the New Orleans Saints. That's what happens when you come to Minnesota. Yeah. Roads closed. Number four, Atlanta Falcons. So wait, are we getting easier here? We're getting yes, easier. Yes, yes. Yes. Wow. A better path. Yeah. Number three. I think I know where this is going. Pittsburgh Steelers. AFC. Okay. Yeah. Number two. New England Patriots. Because the number one team clearest path. Oh, the path doesn't leave town. This is why the shirt's got to be made now. That's this absurd. is why you make the shirts tonight. That's absurd. Wait a second. No, no, it's absolutely not. This absurd. is why you make the shirts right now. Uh, the Vikings, we have the Vikings Voyage for Vindication shirts ready to print right now. All I have to do is hit a button. Yes. Vikings laying three and a half already. That's the early line <laughs> on the Saints. And as Barnwell points out, you beat the Saints. That number is only going to be more in your favor next week, no matter who you play. So, yeah, and, the, but, and the Falcons but, have no chance coming here for the NFC title game. So let me get this straight. What's the Patriots-Titans line? That's got to be a oh, it's 12 be like points 72. or something. 
Yeah. 85? I don't know. It, whatever it is. Uh-huh. The Patriots get a bye week. Mm-hmm. As do the Steelers. The Steelers kind of get a bye week, but Jacksonville's defense is... Jacksonville forced Big Ben into five interceptions one time earlier this year. That's true. But the Patriots get a bye week going into the AFC Championship game. The Patriots... Their path is easier. The Patriots are 13 and one half point favorites. Over the Titans. That has to rival one of the and I think widest I'm gonna, spreads, And I right? think I'm going to take the Patriots. No, I'm sure I'm going to take the Patriots. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's hard to read. They're either going to come together and they're going to make one more run at this thing, or they're all going to be in self-serving sabotage mode, and Tom Brady's going to go out there and yeah, I think they'll be fine. Now, be all temperamental. Included in that is the FPI chances to actually win the Super Bowl. Uh-huh. The Patriots are well ahead of the Vikings. They're at 31.7%, Vikings 18.8%. So like, apparently okay. if they get to the game, the Patriots have the better chance of winning the game. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily against the Vikings, though, because then it gets hairy. Yeah. I can't get over how much this guy looks like Brad Childress. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> He looks like a Matt Nagy. slightly taller chili. 39? Is he taller? I don't know. He, he looks this like a headshot. How can you tell? It's literally a said, photo of his head. I'll find his height. I'll find his height. I think he's a taller chili. It's a chili. photo of his head. How do you know he's I taller than chili? I think he's, he's a, a taller tall chili. Yeah, he's a taller chili. I mean, chili. chili Where do you even pull that from? I said he looks, looks like taller. A, it's literally, Dave, a photo of his head. Yeah. Yeah, he's tall. He has some shoulders. Tall. I mean, that's yeah, like chest tell. up. Yeah, he's, he's built better, baby. Does you kind of see his hand in there? It's Hold kind of on, a little far away. Does it's he have little... long fingers? Oh yeah, he's six two two twenty. It's this more is a big, This is a stout man we're talking about. How tall is Chili? I'll find that. But Matt Nagy, six two two twenty. So we're talking about a former football player, uh, tough guy. Uh, I, I hope he Chili got up like to about two fifty oh, by the end of it at least, right? When I saw Chili, well, when Chili was the OC in Cleveland for Shermer for that that year. And they showed him in the press box one day. Chili was going a good 245, I bet. Yeah. He was huge. Let's see here. Coaching is not the most uh, Look at, conducive, um, healthy lifestyle job. No height and weight on Chili here. That's no fair. It just says tilt. It just, <laughs> <laughs> yes. It just says tilt. Oh, man. I'm at some point. I'm 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 still sticking to it. The Brad Childress will get interviews for a head coaching job. What is he doing now? Is he with he's with the Chiefs, Chiefs. still, right? He's like their. Is he still their spread game analyst? No. Well, he started last Maybe year. Maybe he'll be their offensive coordinator now. I thought. I thought he and. Yes. I thought he Job's and open. Peterson. Wait, wait, no. I'm sorry. I thought he started this year as co-offensive coordinator with Nagy. So now he'll just but be Na- the offensive Nagy coordinator. Nagy was calling. Pl- no, no, no. Andy, the only Chili's the only guy that I think that Andy has never been willing to turn over play calling to at all. Marty Mornwig. Marty Mornwig, who coached Detroit, who was just awful. Succeeded Chili as the Eagles OC after Brad came here, and Andy turned over play calling to him. Like, what does that say about the fit? He never, Chili was Andy's OC in Philadelphia for a long, long time. Hmm. I don't think he ever let him call one play. Well, but couldn't Andy Reid call the plays again? And well, then Brad could just sure he could sit there and I don't think he needs- scheme and yeah. In 2016, promoted to co offensive coordinator alongside Nagy, most recently given the title of assistant. Head coach that was entering this season. So he's so he's everything but not allowed to touch the actual buttons in the cockpit, <laughs> yes. right? Yes. Can't call, exa- yep. can't call a handoff, but he's the assistant head coach. Do guy you just can't fire. We should try to get him on. We should try to get him on this week. Oh, well, that'd be comfortable. They're, they're yeah. done. They're, they're not prepping for anything. The problem is, sure, Brad, he, you guys, talk to me. He, he hates you, right? What well, if he we, wasn't too happy. What if we me. tricked him and just said it's the Phil Mackey show? <laughs> you know, you guys were. Buddies back in the day. And uh, then you just chime in with a couple questions as the, like Biff. Here's the problem. Biff Bilbod. Here's the issue. 
I believe he still has a house in Mound, and I think his kids are still here. So they would probably know. Like, he's still got enough connections to here that they would probably know know the lay of the land, at least to know that I'm on some show. That you still exist. That I still exist. And if I exist, I don't think Brad's going to want to appear. But you know what? If he'll come on, You should I shoot him a, a text second. this week and just say, he probably has the same phone number. And he would send me the same text back. Hey, old buddy. You're delusional if you think I'm going to come on with you. Same text I got in 2010. Tell him it's Chip and you got a new phone. <laughs> then he might come on. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, superstar Mike Morris joins us next.